Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Dr. Caroline Jennings. Dr. Jennings is a clinical psychologist who specializes in sleep treatment. She is board certified in behavioral sleep medicine and works with people across California through telehealth. She provides short-term evidence-based treatments for individuals with a wide range of sleep difficulties, including insomnia, nightmares, and circadian rhythm disorders, such as sleep scheduling issues and jet lag. In addition to working with adults and adolescents, she offers treatments to families experiencing sleep issues with their children. After graduating from the PGSP Stanford CIDES Consortium, Dr. Jennings completed the Primary Care Mental Health Integration and Behavioral Medicine Postdoctoral Fellowship at the VA Sepulveda Ambulatory Care Center and has experienced working in both sleep medicine and primary care outpatient clinics. Today, we talk with her about our process of working with individuals with nightmares. Welcome, Dr. Jennings. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So the topic for today's conversation is something that you have a specialty in, which is psychotherapy for nightmares. That's right. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about it actually, because I think a lot of people who are experiencing nightmares don't know that we have treatments that work and that can actually reduce those nightmares, make them less intense. And so I like to get the word out. And similarly for providers, I think even if someone does bring it up to their provider, the provider doesn't know to get them connected with someone to treat these. So I'm happy to be here. Well, maybe we can just start. Maybe I'm, I'm going to ask too simple of a question, but is there a definition of a nightmare? Is there a basic definition? Yeah. So we tend to think of nightmares as being really frightening, distressing dreams that often wake people up from sleep. So people have this really vivid, immersive imagery while they're sleeping, and they wake up with their heart pounding, they're short of breath, they may be dizzy. This is also a complex question, but do we know why we have nightmares? Yeah, there are a few different theories about it. I think that one that resonates pretty well with folks is the idea that we're processing things that happen during the day. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us can relate to this idea of going through a stressful period in our lives, and we dream about it when we're sleeping. And so often when that stress goes away, the bad dreams go away as well, but other times they tend to get stuck. So it may be many months, years, decades after the person first started having these nightmares and they keep going. So we don't think there's really a function to them at that point. It's just a habit of the mind. The brain has practiced having this nightmare so many times that it's a learned behavior. Got it. Got it. And so the other question before we really get into psychotherapy for the nightmares is this question is very simple too, but like, why do we care about nightmares? Why does it matter? Does it likely cause us some functional impairment to some degree or just emotional distress? Absolutely. I mean, the range of disruption, you know, varies a lot. So it can be that people get really fearful about going to sleep because they know that they're going to be sort of immersed in this kind of horror movie every night. So they get really afraid to fall asleep. They wake up throughout the night. 
And then they're not functioning very well because they're not sleeping. And it can just make people have a lot less energy the next day, be a lot more fearful. If they've got trauma that they've experienced that's maybe related to the nightmares, then they can have those nightmares. And then all throughout the next day, they have trouble putting it out of their mind and they're sort of reliving this over and over. So it can really disrupt your nights and then your days as well. Yeah. And I also, as a psychiatrist, sometimes medications I give to people cause vivid dreams and sometimes nightmares. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later in terms of therapy that you do with people, but just acknowledging that nightmares could also come from medications too. Absolutely. And sometimes it's actually stopping a medication that can then cause the REM rebound effect where now people are having more of this stage of sleep than they would have had before. And there's more opportunity for nightmares. And so there can be effects there. Substances can do the same thing where maybe someone has trouble sleeping. So they use alcohol and they end up having more REM sleep in the latter half of the night that can lead to more nightmares. So there are a bunch of different factors, you know, watching scary movies, particularly we think about that for kids, but for adults, you know, reading the news that can be enough to trigger a nightmare too. So one question for you is, do you see children and adults then? I do. Yeah. Yep. The full range. Okay. So there are treatments for nightmares. And I wonder if we can kind of go through the various treatments with specifically a focus on the treatment that you focus on. Yeah. So, you know, when someone comes in with nightmares, we're going to do a pretty thorough assessment to see what else is going on. And sometimes it's going to be addressing other factors. So if you have untreated sleep apnea, for example, we're going to want to get that fixed. If you're not sleeping well, so if you have insomnia, then often we can actually just treat the insomnia with cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI. That alone can get rid of the nightmares. So I I have patients who come in with at least one nightmare every night, often more than that, without touching the nightmares if we just improve their sleep, they go away. So that can be really effective is just addressing the sleep itself. We can also look at fears and reducing nighttime fear. So this is true for kids and adults, but in particular with kids, if you've got a child who's afraid of the dark, doesn't like being alone in their bed at night, then we can do really simple things to help them with that. Things like a nightlight, or helping them become desensitized to being in their room alone in the dark. There's a really cool intervention where you give a child a stuffed animal and you can do it two ways. One is you say, you know, this this stuffed animal is here to help you and protect you and keep you safe. And that can be helpful. The way I like to do it is you project the child's fears onto the stuffed animal and say, you know, this stuffed animal is really afraid of being alone and they're scared. Can you comfort them and and help them feel safe? And so you give this child the role of comforting the animal and using that language, you know, you're safe here. There's nothing to be afraid of. That can be really effective at helping reduce their fears. Both for kids and adults, if you have a lot of tension or anxiety before bed, that can show up in your dreams and lead to nightmares. So sometimes doing things like diaphragmatic breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, just being able to sort of calm the body, sort of turn down the sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, or freeze, and give the mind something else to focus on, you know, and doing that can help to improve the nightmares. 
But then outside of all of that, then we have imagery rehearsal therapy. And so this is the psychotherapy that really targets the nightmares specifically that we can talk more about. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Let's do it. So imagery rehearsal therapy is using your imagination to create either a new dream or alter the nightmare. And you practice holding this in your head throughout the day and it generalizes to your nights so that the nightmares reduce in frequency, they reduce in severity over time. So an example of this is if someone has a dream about being chased and they have this dream a few times a week, what we can do is have them change any part of it. So it could be that they realize, oh, actually I'm not being chased. I'm actually playing tag with my friends and I'm having a lot of fun. And they sort of turn that anxiety into excitement. So there's a lot of different ways that you can work with the dream. And that's what makes it fun is people are really creative, but practicing it during the day can start to impact your dreams at night. Interesting. You know, I was a bit of a skeptic when I first heard about this treatment. You think it's hard to imagine that what we do during the day can impact what's happening in our brains when we're asleep. Mm -hmm. And I have patients who are skeptical about it. And then they come back believers because it actually does work. Hmm. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Your conscious daytime process is actually affecting your nighttime unconscious process. It is. And I think that it isn't often the case that the new dream is what folks end up having when they sleep. It's usually just that the nightmare starts to fade away. So you're diffusing it. Yeah. I have had patients who will come back and report, not that they had the new dream, but that they were in the nightmare and they had awareness for the first time that they were in a nightmare. It wasn't real. And it sort of gave them that sense of agency or control. And over time, the nightmare goes away. But more often than not, they just stop having the nightmare as much or it's less scary. Okay. So is that the main intervention that you use? Yep. And you know, it can look a lot of different ways. It can be something that's done in just a couple of sessions, depending on what other things are going on for that person, how much bandwidth they have to invest in practicing. And it can also be quite a few sessions. So sometimes people have a lot of nightmares and maybe it's in the context of PTSD or another trauma response. And then sometimes that takes a little bit more time. And it can also involve a component of exposure, although it doesn't always. So there's sort of this range where on one end, you've got exposure to the nightmare. On the other end, you you barely talk about it and you just create a whole new dream. You know, we think about that with kids in particular. With the exposure piece, sometimes the nightmare is so frightening, so distressing that people end up thinking about it more than they would have because they don't want to. And so there can be this element of if we can face that fear and realize, hey, I can actually tolerate this. I I can stand this distress. Just doing that can help make the nightmare go down. Yeah. So I'm thinking about your clinical practice. So do you just talk about nightmares all day? (laughs) Is it the bulk or is it more cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia that you, you see, you do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I really focus on all sleep disorders and 
but they they really interact. So I love doing CBTI, but something that wakes people up from sleep are nightmares. So sometimes we're addressing the nightmares too. I wonder also just for the listener, could you do a very quick explanation of CBTI? So the listener is aware of what that yeah, is. I'd love to. So CBTI is our gold standard treatment for insomnia. And it is a treatment that helps folks to change their habits, behaviors, and thinking about sleep so that they can fall asleep more quickly, stay asleep, and sleep until the alarm in the morning, maybe not even need an alarm. So their sleep quality improves and then they function better during the day. So with CBTI, we're often starting by having people track their sleep. And from that, we're able to make recommendations about scheduling for sleep and different behaviors to try and a whole sort of comprehensive plan to help change people's sleep and retrain their body and brain to sleep the way they want to. Interesting. How did you become interested in this part of psychology? Yeah, I think that going way, way back when I was an undergrad, I was interested generally in the fields of medicine without really knowing you know, what jobs were available. And I volunteered in a health clinic. And I got to do cool stuff there, like learn to take people's blood pressure. And I got to do the fetal Doppler and I got to shadow physicians. And in doing that, I would often see patients who needed to make lifestyle changes, you know, diet or exercise, um, or even things like wound care, taking care of themselves after an injury. And you would see in these brief appointments and then these follow-up appointments months later that it's really hard to make those changes. I mean, it's even if someone is really motivated and understands why they need to, even if they have all the time and money in the world, it's hard to change our behavior. So I became interested in behavioral medicine. And I think that sleep really exemplifies this relationship between physical and mental health and how they're really all just a part of health. Because when we're anxious, we don't sleep well. And that's a really tangible thing that people can grab onto. And if you don't sleep well, the next day, you may be headachy, you're going to be a little groggy, people may tell you you're a little bit more irritable than you normally would be. So they just really affect each other. And then it's also a fun place to work as a clinician because the treatments work. So it's it's a really nice place to work with people because they they get better. Right. And I I just want to kind of stress the point that you made that improving sleep is such a meaningful clinical intervention because it could, when people come to me for depression, anxiety, if they're not sleeping well, yes, they may not be sleeping well because of the depression or anxiety, but once we get them sleeping better, they're going to feel better to some degree. Right. And it's just another step in the process of kind of moving out of depression, anxiety. And I think about postpartum periods to a lot of moms who just aren't sleeping very well in the postpartum period. And one of the first interventions I make is trying to figure out a ways for them to sleep better in order for them to feel better. So. Absolutely. And I think we see that with nightmares too, where there may be some underlying process, whether it's anxiety or trauma or whatever it is that sometimes the emphasis can be on trying to treat those first, but sleep problems are pretty sticky. And even after people get treatment for some of those presenting problems, the sleep and the nightmares are still there. And so it can be one, it's just a residual symptom that we need to treat separately. But two, it can be that the nightmares or the sleep problems are kind of fueling the other symptoms. And so we have to intervene there. And also, if you're sleeping better, you may be better able to take advantage of the treatments that you're involved in, right? 
Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, I found this very interesting. In general, just dreams are so fascinating to me. I mean, do you do ever do work of about with nightmares in terms of dream interpretation, or is that not you don't necessarily go there? I don't usually go there. Often what I'm seeing with folks are they want to make the nightmares stop. <laughs> so sometimes we can talk a little bit about what the dreams mean to them. And particularly if it's something that really reflects pretty closely something that happened to them in real life then we may want to look a little bit about what meaning they can take from it or how they can change the nightmare in a more meaningful way. But usually the ask is, please make these stop. And so we don't we don't rehash them too much. Right. It's very much a goal-oriented therapy. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being on and educating me about this. I found it really fascinating. I hope the listener does too. I will make sure that your information is on the episode description in case the listener wants to learn a bit more about you and the work that you do. But before we say goodbye, I often ask just last parting words if you want to share with listener. If you have any trouble sleeping, if you have nightmares and you're worried that you've tried everything, don't give up hope because we really do have treatments that work. And so reach out and let us help you. Sounds like a good place to end. Take care. Bye. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.